Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Sala podcast. My name is Steph and in this episode I got the chance to ask South Australian artist Yusuf Ali Hayat about his arts practice. Yusuf works across a variety of media including sculpture, photography, video and painting and is currently a PhD candidate at the University of South Australia with a research focus on migrant narratives, transcultural aesthetics and intersubjectivity in art. He is committed to social justice and has a wealth of experience working for non-government organisations in both Australia and abroad in areas such as social housing, social support and emergency relief. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we met to record this episode, the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hayat. Hayat. Uh, Yusuf Ali Hayat. Hayat, yeah. Lovely. Hayat means life. <laughs> it means life in um, in Arabic and in quite a few other languages. Um, so in Malaysia, I think it is, um, but also in Turkey. And um, there's a water bottle, uh, you know, like Evian or something, and it's called Hayat brand. So That started off really beautifully and then... <laughs> Well, now that we've um, traced the origins of your name, <laughs> I'll get into the questions. All right, Yusuf, have you always wanted to be an artist or when did you sort of first feel that inclination towards visual art? Um, no, I didn't always want to be an artist. It wasn't, um, so I grew up very working class in England and migrant communities, so, you know, pretty much the suburb that I came from. Um, lots of people from India, Bangladesh, uh, the Afro-Caribbean. And I'm thinking back on it now, the school that I went to, even the classes that we were in, there were those kind of, you know, they looked like builders' offices, you know, that, that are on site, the temporary constructions, you know, because maybe that community grew um, much quicker than the schools could accommodate. And so a lot of us um, at that school, you know, English wasn't our first language. And even for me, English wasn't, my strongest language till, um, you know, into my teens, even maybe even 13. Um, and yeah, art wasn't something that was put out there as a career um, or wasn't pushed at the schools that I went to. I kind of remind myself sometimes one of my biggest achievements in art was winning a Easter egg competition, decorating an Easter egg competition <laughs> when I was seven. I kind of remember it quite distinctly I'd kind of put sequins on this eggshell and um, <laughs> so unlike anything I'd, I'd, I'd make now but I, I remember winning this competition but also um, enjoying drawing um, and then that, that kind of just dropped off uh, for a long time and I, I didn't really think about art as a, as a career. I started to take evening classes um, when I started working and it was as much about um, just, you know, something something different to what I was doing during the day. So I was working in a homeless day center and this was a kind of self-care, just something uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, I did a bit of drawing and took on photography and really kind of took to photography um, and then started to bring 
that practice into the workplace as well. And I did a project where I gave lots of people um, that were coming into the day center cameras so they could go out and take photos and then I'd get those photographs um, put on a CD and then we'd sit down and talk about the, you know, the kind of things they were um, showing and the stories behind it and what was important and what they were prioritizing in taking and selecting to those photographs. And that kind of slowly pushed me to keep interested for myself to, to keep taking photographs and then, yeah, that's just over years started to move from working with other people um, and how best to tell their stories to then starting to tell my story. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the kind of shift that it's taken. But also in that shift from um, really thinking about art as a way into building a relationship and um telling stories and it you know this this kind of creative platform was a place that that could happen in a different way to then moving towards it as a profession and there's something significant that changes or has changed and things I have to navigate around that around my place around why I make around the relationship with audience um the public aspect of it being a profession much more than the kind of personal intimate space of working with someone um, and not thinking about it as a as an outcome for a gallery you know those are so they're quite big um, shifts over the years and I'm still still navigating that still trying to work out my place um, and, and my relationship with arts as a profession as a practice as an industry or a community or a even an art world, if you want to call it that. Mm. Yeah, they're sort of distinct and yet so enmeshed, <laughs> at least for you, I think. Um, that must be hard to navigate. Just to sort of give us context, can you talk about the chronology of study and, and opportunities that sort of got you there um, on your journey to becoming an artist? Yeah, um, so it was around 2005 in England and I started doing... Um, photography courses uh, an evening course that I did over a couple of years and then I moved here to Australia in 2007 and I had started at UniSA maybe around 2010 but always working um, and the study was a kind of you know a very small part of um, what I was doing you know I'd, I'd do like one unit per semester or something. So it was this real snail's pace of letting this really kind of soak and incubate, but just trying to get my skills up, um, trying to, you know, understand how how to use this, how to think of this as a language, as a way of communicating, and how then do I become more articulate in, in that language? How do I get, you know, better versed in that language if it is about communication and how to make sure that what I think I'm saying and what's being communicated are, are, are the same things. Um, so started here and then um, I took a job with the Red Cross and it was around that time um, when a lot of people were coming out of um, detention centres and it was uh, the offer for that work was 
um, full time only, and I could only do it full time. And it was with um, what used to be called their migration support program, community detention. So I, I took that on full time, but also um, working in that space, I'd kind of passed up a lot of opportunities. And it felt like if I didn't take on uh, those leadership roles, after a while, people would stop asking <laughs> or stop thinking that, you know, because I think if you have sometimes or in other sectors, especially if you've got big periods in your CV or, you know, where you haven't got promoted, you know, you can easily get stuck in that space. So I took on those leadership roles and that was really good. And I had, uh, you know, incredible opportunities to be part of uh, an incredibly dynamic um group of people some really really forward thinking um people who ha yeah have have massive contributions i think to make um to social work to um yeah lots of people who are less privileged um than myself so yeah that was great to work in those spaces and then i didn't start back at university till I don't know, maybe that 2015, 16. <laughs> and then I'd done management for a little while and I just got to that stage where I couldn't look at another spreadsheet. <laughs> just, and I'm sure that's a lot of people in the arts would probably have a, a very similar experience. <laughs> and yeah, just moving from that face to face to um, becoming much more administrative desk based. Um, and yeah, I think that just broke me. <laughs> so I chose something much more challenging. Um, and so, yeah, I, I started to um, commit more to an arts practice. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it was much more as well that I'd been in Australia for a few years. Um, and in Australia more than anywhere else. And I think this is the thing about migration that it just throws everything into flux. You, you're kind of um, aware of your difference in a, in a new context and it's, you know, it, it's foregrounded in a different way. And um, especially Adelaide, so more often I felt like I was coming up in situations where people didn't have a register for my name and my accent and this skin color and, um, yeah, it's something I, I wasn't anywhere near as aware of or had thought about in the same way. Um, and I think there's a bit of a chicken and egg there of whether, you know, it's because I was working as an artist that I was thinking about these things much more intensely or that these things were happening more often and they were coming through in my arts practice. So they kind of fed in this loop. And so, yeah, it, it became... Um, something I was much more invested in, in trying to work out for myself, in um, trying to find constructive ways to to work through that. Um, and so, yeah, it just happened to be that I was doing a lot more art as well. Um, and yeah, the structure of university and um, studying and having supervisors has worked well for me. Um, it's something I enjoy and I like that level of, um, not to say people outside of academia don't, <laughs> I could get myself into a bit of trouble because <laughs> I think there are lots and lots of people who, who aren't involved in academia and whose practices are incredibly well researched um, and, you know, they don't, 
um, have as much need for the structure, but I, I find it's quite helpful for me in the way that I function and think and operate to have that around me. So yeah, it's worked well for me to to have to have those frameworks. And I think you know investing that time does help to work through a lot of um, a lot of those things. You know, however you're thinking about them. Mm, absolutely. You've um thrown a few of my questions into a different order now actually um, reading your cv i had to take a break because it's so extensive this wealth of experiences you've had in social services and and all of those different capacities um yeah like you said the red cross uh the salvation army the ymca in england housing uh migration support all those different capacities that you've worked in do you in terms of how those experiences influence your practice, do you sort of, is it separate to your own experiences and how they influence your practice or are you just drawing on a sort of pool of things? Um, my practice, um, I was really lucky, was it last year or the year before, to work uh, with Hussein, And I remember one of the first times I kind of, uh, we got together and we were, were just having a, a really kind of um, just a general conversation, getting to know each other and, and stuff. And he, he said something about, you know, the personal is the universal and kind of the more you go into yourself, the more generous and open it becomes. And I kind of, I, I take from that and I think, you know, that, yeah. So I, my art practice does draw very much on on me and my position um and the challenge for me is is um how to not lose sight of all of those other positions you know of all those other things and i i, I do uh, really miss working um and having that as part of um something that i do and i think it was yeah an incredible privilege to um, share people's stories or have access to you know there's a humility and uh, a real grounding in in meeting people on a daily basis whose lives are so far removed from my own experience who um, you know I might never otherwise uh, come into contact with and have that exposure to to be aware of um, you know the the sharper pointier edges and you know some of my own kind of concerns and worries drop away um, and yeah always aware of uh, how privileged I am and I, I yeah really miss um, that exposure and I you know something like the emergency relief center that it'd be this contrast of um, working in this center and you know people are coming in for for food parcels or uh, you know maybe a $20 voucher for the supermarkets to get them through till the next payday and you know I'd finish work 4.30 and there might be an opening at 6 and you know the the, the contrast of, of kind of stepping in and out of these two different spaces and and the, the stories from one to the other is, is quite extreme and um, yeah it's I, I, I kind of miss having that that grounding that pulling back um yeah, to be more aware of, of yeah, lots of other people and places that 
we kind of walk past every day, you know, we do, like whether you're just not aware of, or, or maybe not as aware of other experiences in, in what is, you know, a first world country. So yeah, I, I do miss working in those spaces. Mm. And what a lovely quote from Hossein. I saw the word uh, intersubjectivity in your Instagram bio. Um, can you explain what that means in terms of your practice or even um, a specific work maybe? I looked um, at yep. Is it in Noor? Noor. Noor is, is light. Um, and the, the biggest, I think the, the simplest way of thinking about what, where I'm at at the moment is how do we negotiate difference? You know, how do we um, not try to collapse into the other person, but, you know, how do we make that distance towards the other person? How do we make that, you know, how do we each keep moving towards other people to get closer, to try to imagine what it's like to be them, to live their life without trying to be them. Like we don't need to be them, they're there. Um, but how do we get closer to that? And how do you do that across all of these different subject positions of of race, of class, gender, of age, of ability, of all of those things? Um, and, you know, I, I think there's a, a powerful idea in there's there's more difference within than there is between um and that's what a lot of this is about is is instead of trying to think of or, or being too caught up in um ideas of origin or ancestry or some idea of authenticity um and of course they're they're, they're all very very um valid positions but also at the same time to think of like a, a sincere ethical position, you know, in terms of um, a relations between people to to really think of our ethical position. Um, and so that's a kind of space that I'm trying to, to think about that. How do we then um, work as a coll collectively towards those shared ends, towards those ends and, you know, those ideals of, of justice and humanity and, you know, they're, they're huge, big ideals, but they start um, from our daily encounters. And in our daily encounters, we, we encounter difference, right? So um, how, how in those kind of quotidian, you know, and, and that bounce between the quotidian and the cosmic, you know, this kind of between the everyday and the universal. And how do you, how do you keep moving between those two to, to hold those ideals? Um, and, you know, we... we we have our spheres of influence and it's in those interactions that we live, right? So it's trying to manage those in a, in a really kind of respectful way, respectful of each other and respectful of difference. And how do we get closer to those ideas of, of empathy? That's the best artist statement I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I can talk a bit more about Noor if you want. That would be good if you could talk about it in a sort of visual way, just for people listening, yeah. Um, so the work Noor uh, developed over, it's, it's over about three or four years. Um, and 
I started off, I was looking at a lot of, a lot of painting, um, landscape painting, and really thinking about this kind of hybrid identity of, you know, how do you, um, between cultures, when you feel like you've got this foot in, in different traditions, um, how do you take from, from both of those and create this, or in this third space, or create, you know, new things, newness, how does newness come about? And it, it tends to be in this space between those fixed positions, between in the margins, between centers. So it was taking this um, abstract, you know, that's high modernist painting tradition um, and the Australian kind of landscape painting tradition. And then in an expanded way, I, I wrapped them around these pillars. Um, and I had five pillars because in Islam, there are, there are five pillars of faith. And I, the shape of the pillar was um, based on a geometric pattern. So each one sits um, as a petal that sits around a star. And so I'd started off making five of these. Um, and it was that space between the two, between um, yeah, modernist painting traditions and Islamic ge geometry. And so it started from there and I couldn't quite get the paint, the canvases to sit around the pillar as tight and as well as I could. So they just felt like there was something um, unresolved or that just the execution wasn't there. And um, then I made it out of plywood. And then um, I cut the shape, the, the geometric patterns uh, that I was drawing on the floor. I cut them on the face of um, the, the plywood uh, because that reminds me of... Um, they're called jali or mashrabia. They're these lattice screens uh, that sit on windows. And I got really excited by that because um, in the way that those have this, the, the, you know, the, the whole idea of them is uh, to let a space breathe. You know, it allows light to kind of go in and out of the, the, the space. You know, they're, they're kind of, um, it's not fixed like a glass pane. Um, and so this kind of inside and outside starts to to collapse or it you know the boundary of difference for me it felt like that's permeable you know you can pass through them they're not fixed um and yeah it just felt like okay here's this blending or allowing this movement uh between the two so i thought that that's a really strong metaphor but also um that you can see through them instead of the canvas being uh you know a fixed thing that you can't see through and or air can't pass through the um the lattice allowed that and then um i put led lights inside so it casts the the shapes out onto the wall and that's a kind of that is an inquiry that i'm getting more and more interested in uh because that artwork always takes on the shape of the space that it's in so depending on how close it is to the wall the shapes are cast differently or if it's at an angle to the wall so it's never fixed and as soon as someone walks into that they're cast into that artwork as well so you know they become an, the artwork or take on the shape of the artwork or the artwork takes on their form and it will look completely different if i stand there or if you stand there because our shapes are different and our experience of it changes and um, and it calls to account the audience. The audience makes 
the you know has an impact and an effect on what they're seeing and i think that's a really kind of interesting space that i'm that i'm yeah wanting to really investigate more um how as a subject you come into being through the artwork how your existence is made apparent by the artwork how the artwork um you know calls you to account it makes your presence more visible and then i, I think there's a dynamic really dynamic exchange there between artwork artifact audience and other people's experience of it especially where there's room for multiple people to move through um and that kind of developed a little bit more um in work i made with uh at nexus uh, where i was able to use sensors so as soon as, uh, so there were two different types of sensors um, that trigger a light. So again, it's that relationship between the audience and the, the, the artwork that as soon as the audience works, it walks in, it triggers the light that sets off the artwork. So again, you know, the artworks, they're dormant <laughs> almost, and it's, it wakes up your presence. It calls to account the presence of, of, of the audience. And so it relies on the audience. Um, and that was a, yeah, that was through working with Hussein. And the word that we used was the word ishq, um, which means love. And yeah, it feels like, you know, it's the same with love. It's, it's kind of dormant until there's another person to activate it. You know, it's activated in that relationship. And I, I really like that. Um, yeah, so it's a, that's a space that I'm really, really interested in. Um, in art and audiences. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> I didn't know that about the, the senses. Um, and yeah, calling to account, I think was the phrase. Um, yeah, that's really fantastic. The work with the senses is um, the Uniting Communities building just near the Central Markets on Franklin Street and it's public access. So they're permanently installed there um, if you just go in um, on the reception on the ground floor, um, it's up there. And th that's a, that was a, a, a real privilege um, to, to have my work included in there because I've been aware of the work of Uniting Communities. Uh, they, do a, they do a whole lot of stuff. And this housing project, I think there's, there could be a lot in there to think about social housing. Um, so when they've redone this building, there's um the units are affordable so there's housing upstairs but there are uh, services downstairs like youth services and um they do financial counseling uh family and parent counseling in in that space and yeah they've acquired a, a lot of uh artworks for that building through guildhouse um it was around this time last year, but you can go in there. Um, anyone can go in and, and um, go and see the artwork. So they're there. So please do go and go and see them if you're in the area. We'll have to. I think one of the most recent places people would have seen your work was at the Kaleidoscope exhibition in Light Square. Um, and that work was from the residency that you did at the British School in Rome. Have I got that right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Can you talk a bit about... The residency experience and the resulting work. Yeah, sure. Uh, the residency, um, 
it came about so quick because <laughs> I I'd, uh, finished honors and look, Helpman have been a huge part of my development. And I think if you, you know, there's a, a period of about two or three years where just about everything I did um, had some kind of Helpman contact. So <laughs> I was really lucky, you know, to, through Helpman to um, have been able to do some workshops overseas, some geometry, which, which is really um if you see yeah, a lot of the things that I do, there's a lot of geometry in there and that's kind of grounded in being able to do those. Um, and then, yeah, to go through to the, the, the British school at Rome, in Rome, um, yeah, for having, you know, worked uh, in different sectors for so long, this was the first time. And, it, and for me, the strangeness as well was the first time, you know, and if anyone asks... Uh, what you're doing there that I had no other answer than as an artist you know? <laughs> every other every other kind of label had dropped off and that's it I was only an artist now um, so yeah that was that was some getting used to and it's an incredible incredible space um, and it was good to work with photography and um, I there, there were two different series of works that I made there um, one was shown at the um, city art pod um, in a group show and there was a video work three channels and it, what I did was there's a there's a Benini statue in the um, it's called the four rivers and there's a the river Ganges and you know it's a it's a white marble really muscular bearded man you know very um yeah, like other Benini sculptures, you know, incredibly well sculpted. You know, there's a six pack and pecs and, you know, really strong thighs and all that tension of this ore in the water is all there. And, you know, long flowing beard like the river itself. And, you know, the um, whereas in India, um, the Ganges is Mother Ganges, you know, and it's this soft uh, female in a sari you know so this this contrast between these two different depictions uh, I, I find quite intriguing but also um tourism you know and the space of international tourism and the place of tourism and um you know the the precarity of migrant work uh, so you know i'm stood there and the people you know, with my skin tended to be the guys, you know, selling selfie sticks or, um, you know, scarves or, or you know, street vendors predominantly. Um, and so I was just, yeah, took this kind of position of the view from the Ganges and, and just uh, observed the way um, people behave in front of these monuments uh, you know, quite often, you know, tour groups come past or people just take a photo and run and yeah, just, yeah, it was, it was really just intriguing just watching um, lots of people kind of pass through this space. So yeah, there's, there's a bit of video and um, a few photographs from there. And then the other thing, um, I was there when the birthday of Rome happened and it's a massive celebration and there's um, where the old Roman forum is. Um, you 
know, these big processions go past and people are dressed as gladiators and returning emperors, and, you know, with, with the spoils of war. And, you know, there's so much of Roman monuments are celebrating war and conquest and empire and, and all of those things. It's, it's the, the whole city sometimes feels like a monument to war and conquest, you know, and um, I wanted to kind of, how do you, how do you take away that power of it? How do you, you know, decenter it? How do you ridicule it a little bit, you know? And so um, that style of photography where the image is blurred and warped and stretched and everyone's a little bit grotesque, um, just felt like it, it took away some of these ideas of, you know, the ideal male form or, or some of those things. So yeah, it was, it was a more playful uh, approach to, to, to do that and to take the photos in that way. I hadn't, I couldn't find any text on that one. So I genuinely, yeah, <laughs> wanted to know. Um, what are you working on at the moment? If we're allowed to know. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a few, there's a few things I'm really excited about. So uh, we've got a show for Sala and, and again, really happy to be, you know, part of a, a group show. So that opens up Praxis, um, an incredible lineup of, of people, um, curated by Ed and Gabby. And of course, you know, Praxis has, um, a, a really generous space as well to, for, for everyone. And yeah, really supported through, uh, thinking through the work and thinking through the idea and it's called um 11 actions i love that mine's um nine of 11 <laughs> so, kinda, so play with that a little bit um but yeah to think back to um painting and you know i was saying before about that kind of uh the genesis of even noor was around uh thinking about high modernism and you know modernity is is a colonial project you know you kind of the two kind of go hand in hand um but also to then in a similar way that i was saying to to think about the space between those and to, you know, where you're outside of the maybe what might feel like quite fixed positions, but in those blurry spaces where things start to um, take shape in different ways to then start to look at, um, you know, the grid, uh, but also some of the principles behind um, Islamic geometry, you know, of of kind of thinking about um, the finite and the infinite, but through finite forms of kind of shapes and what different shapes might represent and, you know, how are you, that relationship with lines. Um, and it's, it feels quite like a playful uh, body of work. Um, I won't say too much, but again, uh, the idea in there is coconut or one of the, series of works uh, around the idea of a coconut and again it's um questions an essentialist idea of identity you know if you start to think there's a fixed idea of what it means to be um an indian or to be english or to be australian um, and the coconut suggests that that there's a fixed idea of what is acceptable um within the kind of ideal indian or brown brown skinned person and that if you veer outside of that or too far outside of that and you take on um what someone might consider characteristics of a white person then you're a coconut you know and i think 
that's quite problematic to to suggest you know that there is an essential identity that goes with with um an with origin you know cultural origin or racial or any one of those that there's an essential kind of characteristics or cultural mode um so it's just just to to kind of question that again like i was saying before you know that this moving away from um an unhealthy obsession i think there's a there's a very healthy negotiation relationship with all of those things with language with culture and there has to be you know there has to be room for difference because if we all start to look the same and talk the same it, it's starting to get we're, we're going to be end up in a very bland or the space so I, yeah it's it's that unhealthy um obsession with those things to start to yeah question and critique those as well so it's yeah around that idea of coconut um so yeah that comes up soon thursday the 30th that sounds um, right <laughs> and then it'll be on for the duration of sala um yeah so that that's pretty exciting um yeah and then really looking forward to um the sa survey with ace open which the dates have shifted and yeah hopefully something online as well um as part of the felt program which yeah mid-august for sala so some really exciting yeah really exciting things excellent so good time to be catching your work all right last question i oh no i've got two left um can you recall a moment a really rewarding moment that has stemmed from your practice um I tend to remember a lot of the um, failures as well, <laughs> so, and I think that's good. <laughs> I think I need to remember those. But you know, there's it's um, yeah, the first you know the the kind of living with uncertainty and ambiguity and um, trying to work out all of those things is really hard and challenging. Um, and yeah, trying to think of this as a career as as such an uncertain, insecure uh environment to work in it's 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 quite frightening and you know i'm surprised that as many people have and do do that and really kind of credit to them for making um the cultural sphere as interesting as they do because um yeah you're definitely not doing this for financial gain (laughs) or not not for the majority (laughs) of people at all so yeah really um you know, credit to the people who've been doing it for 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 a very long time. Um, the thing that I hold on to is working in that day center, um, and it's hard to really call it my practice um, because I didn't think of it as a practice then, and I was there um, as a worker in the day center. You know, I was a, I was employed as a worker there, but that project, um, and we put on a slideshow in an art space in a gallery and. The BBC, the local BBC um, website put on some of the photos and just some of the guys when they were interviewed either for the local newspaper or when they were on BBC radio to see people grow or feel like they had worth and for them to say um, the things they said just by the fact that they had visibility, that they had a dedicated space to to share their stories that other people were interested and wanted to hear more um and that felt like wow that's that, that's this is you know there there is something here in this medium in in building understanding of creating exposure to 
complicate narratives um you know yeah i think it's yeah i, I, I hold on to that it's it's quite incredible yeah that's lovely and yeah that it stayed with you yeah um all right last question which south australian artists are you keeping an eye on for for new work or just to see what they're doing at the moment <laughs> this, this feels like a, a very obvious answer but fran of course <laughs> you know like so um i she had the grindel's hut residency um and we went there as a family and um it just felt like with this series of work she'd she'd brought together all of the kind of quirky ways of making and thinking and and responding to the environment um that came together and um it hadn't rained there for years and you know we there was so many dead things so many flies because you know like all the creeks were completely dry but um you know kangaroos donkeys you know you just walk through and there's just carcasses everywhere which which would might you know would happen anyway but the incredible dryness of the space and um of course because we were there for three weeks and you know it's it's quite cut off from everything so we had a lot of dry food and so she'd started painting on these porridge packets um, and I just loved this kind of bringing in that text of just add water but using watercolor as a medium and um, responding to the dryness of the landscape but also kind of reusing um, the, this found material um, so yeah, I just I I I <laughs> I'm really partial and clearly very biased about that work because yeah, it quite invested in 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 how it's developed. And Fran has a little show at um, Collective Haunt for Sala as well, where some of some of the some of these bits are being shown. Um, but as well, and I think this one of the the greatest things about kind of getting more involved um, in arts um as a as a as a community is to start to build relationships and build a history with people um you know and for someone who hasn't grown up here um you know i don't have that depth of history with people so uh it's it's starting to build those relationships and those histories of of showing together of getting to know each other's work so um like the show at praxis coming up um you know an incredible group of people and yeah really you know like ed we went through honors together so again you know to to have that um that relationship to keep continuing and also you know with uh stuff at ace like we went through honors with ida and you know shown alongside kate behind us a few times and yeah so you just start to build that that sense of history of kind of you know shared trajectories you know with jonathan kim as well at at the Praxis show or um, Ilyas Alavi uh, at Felt. Um, so yeah, all all people that I that I'm able to call peers now. You know that we've started to build this history of of kind of doing stuff together and showing work together. And yeah, you know I think Christina's work I'm, I'm quite excited to see as well at Praxis. And yeah, so there's there's quite a few people. Um, yeah, that I consider peers and really look to um, and alongside and, you know, across to. Um, and of course, I think, you know, in South Australia, we've got 
you know, Hussein, I can, I can keep digging through his archive for years and keep finding stuff and people like Sue Kneebone and, you know, um, incredible, beautiful makers. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much. Pick up the Sala book, just flick through. <laughs> you won't be disappointed. Brilliant. I think we can end on that wonderful note. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Um, yeah. We'll see all of those works that we've mentioned and we'll put um, some show notes together with some of the images of the works we've talked about and links to those exhibitions. 